like to read a passage <clears throat> from the Buddha's teaching. in the Amkutara uh, Nikaya, <clears throat> where he talks about the great power of restraint. I, f- I find this passage very uh, informing, helpful, encouraging as a spiritual practitioner, especially on retreat, or sometimes we can wonder what is the efficacy. Of our efforts. Sometimes in the world when we might feel uh, helpless. In the face of uh, what seems like uh, insurmountable forces of confusion. That which is upsetting, hypocritical, violent, In this passage, uh, the the Buddha talks about the word merit, what's translated as merit. The Pali word is punya, P-U-N-N-A. Merit can have an unfortunate connotation of like brownie points one accumulates, merit badges, gold stars, who's getting there and who's not. But the, the, the word in this passage is also, there's many other adjectives the Buddha gives to help us get a feeling for it. So, so, so merit is still there, but it's, it's a wholesome energy, which is healing, auspicious, powerful. which is uh, related to our efforts here. I'll read the passage. There are, O monks, eight streams of merit, streams of the wholesome, nourishments of happiness that are heavenly, ripening in happiness, conducive to heaven, that lead to whatever is wished for, loved, and agreeable, that lead to one's welfare and happiness. What are the eight? These streams of punya or merit. I like that definition, nourishments of happiness, that energy which feeds well-being. The Buddha goes through the eight. Here, monks, a noble disciple has gone for refuge to the Buddha. This is the first stream of punya merit, a stream of the wholesome nourishment of happiness. It is heavenly, ripening in happiness, conducive 
to heaven that leads to whatever is wished for, loved and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. Further, number two, uh, a noble disciple has gone for refuge to the Dhamma. This is the second stream of merit that leads to whatever is wished for, loved and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. Further, a noble disciple has gone for refuge to the Sangha. This is the third stream of punya, merit, that leads to whatever is wished for, loved, and agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. There are further amongst these five gifts, pristine, of long-standing, traditional, ancient, unadulterated, and never before adulterated that are not being adulterated, that will not be adulterated, not despised by wise ascetics and Brahmins. What are these five gifts? Here, monks, a noble disciple gives up the destruction of life and abstains from it. By abstaining from the destruction of life, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. By giving to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, that person will enjoy immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. This is the first of those great gifts and the fourth stream of merit. So the Buddha goes through these five great gifts or these five precepts. Staining from taking life, from taking that which is not given, from using our sensuality and sexuality to exploit ourselves or another. abstaining from speech that is false, divisive, harsh, meaningless, abstaining from intoxicants that lead to heedlessness, a noble disciple gives up the taking of what is not given. By abstaining from taking what is not given, the noble disciple gives to immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. And that the result of that, that person receives immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. This not doing, which seems like a a negative thing, from an intention, a conscious intention in the heart to not harm, not take what isn't meant for us, not exploit, not lie, 
use speech in divisive, harsh, meaningless ways, hurtful ways. Not seek a nibbana that is a might temporarily feel good, but is an intoxication that can lead to heedlessness. But this not what seems like something negative is a profound action, this power of restraint, the power of not doing something. Because we're not isolated entities, we're in an interwoven field, that, that restraint, what the Buddha called sila, this restraint, it's not a thou shalt not, but a training that's voluntarily undertaken, a conscious giving up, that conscious restraint turns into a gift that blesses immeasurable beings above, below, and all around. We might feel like we're wasting our time, or gosh, with all that's going on, what what good am I doing here? being quiet, listening to our impulses and thoughts that maybe would like to say and do a lot of things, like to text and write a lot of things, maybe even like to... I confess, I've never done a tweet. I don't... might look so powerful to tweet something, but we, we've experienced in this country that it's divisive, hurtful, roiling up power of, 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 of tweets that can generate all sorts of distress, fear, hurt, for it, against it. But that by not being careful with our speech, careful with our actions, careful There's something that penetrates space, time, offering freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. And that as we little by little learn to deepen our trust in dharma, trust in karma, this mysterious lawfulness of what of cause and effect, that this, this offering of freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, by cherishing, that we might not know it now, by cherishing this good path, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have faith in the Buddha's awakening. Obviously, we can't see all that the Buddha saw, otherwise we would be the Buddha. But without a measure of trust, a measure of faith, we don't try something. He's encouraging us here that no, there's a great stream of blessing, of nourishments of happiness, 
it offers to countless beings through taking refuge and also through the restraint of these five precepts. Countless beings, freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. That in time, the result of that is that we will experience measureless freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. So, uh, as as we start this uh, retreat, we would like to um, take the occasion to uh, undertake the Refuges and Precepts. So we have this uh, Refuges and Precepts uh, sheet. Um, Now, I think think, uh, most of us are, are undertaking the five precepts. There's a few, and some people have requested it maybe more than a few, they want to undertake the additional monastic uh, renunciate precepts, the eight precepts. Basically, uh, those taking the five are still pretty much taking seven because number six is the one that that is the main one in the eight precepts is uh, giving up eating in the evening, uh, which translated as... uh, undertake the training to refrain from eating at an inappropriate time. In the monastic life, that, that, that giving up of eating in the evening was for the sake of simplicity. It was a renunciation. It's not that it's evil to eat in the evening. It's not harming anyone, but it's for the sake of simplicity, ease of support, and for the sake of focusing on our practice. Uh, Seven is about, uh, which I think we're keeping anyway, undertake the training to refrain from like shows, dancing, singing, music, garlands, perfumes, cosmetic ornaments, and adornments. It's a renunciate, a giving up any distraction for the sake of focusing on our spiritual practice. We do have uh, chanting, but I've understood in my training that uh, that is for the sake of the practice. That's how I interpret that. Then number eight, undertake the training to refrain from using high and luxurious seats in beds. Well, we are a bit higher here, but I don't think it's luxurious. Uh, And our beds are, are beautifully simple but comfortable. So uh, we can go through the precepts and uh, the five, and then for those who are undertaking those uh, additional three, then, then you can uh, carry on. We, we can use the ancient call and response form. I will chant a phrase at the top, Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Samasamputasa. And then those who wish to join in can echo the phrase back. Tanisra will chant with you so that one can have a, a guide for the melody and for the tempo rhythm. And then we'll go through the taking refuge in, in Pali. And then in the uh, precepts, I will chant the phrase in Pali. We can echo it back. 
and then together we can just chant, uh, recite the English. I undertake the training. So, uh, offering immeasurable freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression through the power of restraint. Joining with the eight great streams of blessing that are nourishments of happiness leading to our true welfare. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samasambuddhasa 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 Bhutang saranang gachami Dhamma-saranang-gacchami Dutiyam pitamang saranangachami Dutiyam pitamang saranangachami Dutiyam pisangang saranangachami Dutiyam pisangang saranangachami Tatiyam piputang saranangachami Tatiyam pitamang saranangachami Tatiyam pitamang saranangachami Tatiyam pisangang saranangachami Tatiyam pisangang saranangachami Panatipata Vedamani Sikapatang Samadhyami Panatipata Vedamani Sikapatang Samadhyami 
I undertake the training to refrain from killing living beings. Adinadana veramani sikapatang samadhyami Adinadana veramani sikapatang samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not given. Abrahmacharya Vedamani Sikapatang Samadhyami Abrahmacharya Vedamani Sikapatang Samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from any kind of intentional sexual activity. Musavada Vedamani Sikapatang Samadhyami Musavada Vedamani Sikapatang Samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from speaking falsely. Sula mela yamajapamada tana velamani sikapatang samadhyami Sula mela yamajapamada tana velamani sikapatang samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from using intoxicants which cloud the mind and lead to heedlessness. For those taking the eight precepts, the remaining three, Vikala Bhutjana Veramani Sikapatang Samadhyami Vikala Bhutjana Veramani I undertake the training to refrain from eating at an inappropriate time. Najagita vatita visukkadasana malaganda vilepana talana mandana vipusanatana velamani sikapatang samadhyami Nachakita vadita visukatasana malakanda vilepana tarana mandana vipusanatana veramani sikapadan samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from dancing, singing, music, shows from the use of garlands, perfumes, cosmetic ornaments and adornments. Ucha sayanamaha sayana velamani sikapatang samadhyami Ucha sayanamaha sayana velamani sikapatang samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from using high and luxurious seats and beds. 
Through my observance of ethical conduct, may I realize the highest peace. As the Buddha said, our restraint offers immeasurable beings, freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression, chanting home to peace. Om Shanti Om Shanti Om Shanti Apologize for the confusion of the, the laminated sheets that are slightly different translation of some of the precepts. That's why some of us were chanting different words. But the principle is the power of not doing. In these early days of our retreat, as we're eyeball to eyeball with our dear friend and teacher, Ajahn Sujito, used to say that on retreat we're eyeball to eyeball with our karma, especially these early days of all our tendencies, accumulated exhaustions, restlessness, worries, doubts, fears, anxieties can manifest. It can be challenging. But they encourage us to remember especially in this troubled world where the, these ancient gifts, these ancient, since time immemorial, principles which have been respected by all wise beings, have been really forgotten. Or turned into 
moral ideologies that we use to try to pretend we're better than someone else and batter each other for forgetting these principles of harmlessness. Cherishing our fellow beings. Trustworthiness, honoring our fellow beings' relationship to things, not just making the goal, how much can I accumulate? That value of not taking, not harming, not exploiting. The value of truth. Wow, we live in a world spin and just saying something loud enough and often enough, trying to manifest the reality which is not in accord with the actuality. The real value, preciousness of truthfulness in speech that unifies, informs, warns maybe, illuminates, contemplates, it's been forgotten. And this potent, transformative substance, consciousness, it's invisible. You can't see it. We can be it. We can use it, cultivate it. In that refraining from drugs and intoxicants, one is honoring this instrument, this alchemy, transformative alchemy of awareness. When awareness touches something, it is illumined, transformed. Just in these early days, as we're Many of us are encountering maybe not so easy sensations and formations. Just to to remember that even just this living together quietly, mindfully, patiently, respectfully, compassionately is not only offering something to each other but is a expansive A measureless. It's actually an action. Similar in our mindfulness practice, there's also a restraint. Uh, yesterday, or was it this morning? Maybe this morning, when Tanisha was uh, talking about the foundations of uh, mindfulness. This, uh, quoting from the Buddha, that this is the Ekayana Maga, this direct path, this path, Ekayana Maga, pathway back to Eka, this unification, this recognition of our deep kinship with all that is. It's 
a direct path, a one-way path. It's also sometimes called a pathway back to the one. quoted about that this path is for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of Nibbana, namely these four foundations of mindfulness. And we're focusing on this mindfulness of the body and in the instructions from, from the Buddha, she, she read us that uh, that in being mindful uh, of the body, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world, Now, this is another kind of restraint, similar to the power of the non-harming, the not fighting, the not exploiting. What is this talking about? The putting away of the covetousness and the grief, the, the longing that which is move out, wanting something, and the distress, that battling, that pushing away, Putting away is not talking about annihilating, crushing. But as was mentioned, there are are real concerns, real aspirations that we can wish for, real difficulties in our own lives and in the world around us that we that are distressing, that we want to effectively alleviate. But that a powerful, a powerful pathway to really being able to make a difference is not to be compulsive. When we habitually and compulsive are entangled in our longing, our covet, what's called covetousness, that which we want, and our distress, then we're entangled. Stay on the superficial level of our being. We don't cultivate samadhi. The Buddha defines samadhi as chitta-kakata, chit, the heart, eka, Kakataize gets unified. We have these dimensions of our being, the thinking mind. It's a stream of karma, like the head, the bodily and its actions, but then the heart of awareness, bringing these dimensions, head, heart, body, together. It's the work of samadhi. And when we're encountering 
what we're encountering. We'll notice there's all sorts of opportunities for the mind to go to concerns that maybe we're working out at home, in our home life, longings, with our business, with the world, even with our practice, or distress about this person, this situation, this condition, this nightmare. That this putting away is another sort of opportunity on retreat. We have the opportunity to recognize the chain of thought that's going into some story connected with the world, with what we're, where we're trying to get, what we're trying to fix, what we're distressed by. Not saying just to kick it out, but to put away is another way talking about can we let it be, let it be recognized as a formation. Not have to follow it. Recognize where it hits us in the body. Take a long breath. Long in-breath, long out-breath, and recognize I'm here, now, sitting or walking or wherever we happen to be. And to that, realizing we could spend a minute, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes following some worry, some longing, some concern. And just as a gesture for the sake of agility. Later, these might be things we really want to focus on, but for the sake of trusting in the Buddhist path, trusting that without deepening our samadhi, the power of a mind that's gathered, if we get hijacked by every concern, thought, and worry, we're enslaved. Our, our efficacy to really make a difference is really impaired. It's not a real ultimate judgment of no, we don't deal with the future, we don't deal with the word, world, no. It's learning how to be able to not now, not to knock it out, but to let it be, that little moment of, it's a renunciation, a refraining. So rather than that energy being sprayed out in chasing, longing, or in fighting, in that letting a formation be as it comes and goes, all that energy then starts to be gathered in the heart. And as we practice with mindfulness of the body and relax, that energy is shared and suffuses and, and little by little transforms our body. Thinking mind and heart. One of the real skills 
which is uh, practitioners, you, you know, but I want to underline it, is when we're caught up in things, it tends to be associated with a lot of habitual thinking. When the Buddha spoke about those qualities which support samadhi, what's called the jhana factors. The first one was vitaka, which is sometimes translated as a applied thought, but it's a form of thought. But it's a special sort of thought. It's not just a long, rambling, unconscious thought. It's a directed thought. It's a moderated thought. Rather than thought just going on and on, a thought that brings the attention back here. Like a thought like, what's happening now? That thought doesn't have to go on and on and on and on. That's a short thought, but it's a powerful thought. What's happening now? Then that thought dissolves. It gets out of the way. And then this other dimension, the second jhana factor, can work vichara, which sometimes is translated as discursive thought, which I don't like that translation. That sounds like having to write an essay. But, but it means receiving. Like what's happening now opens, but directs the mind back to this moment. And then what is it that connects? Then the attention notices, oh, the body, the pressure. Our attention can feel into. The discursive part is that attention moves feel into, oh yeah, there's pressure of my buttocks on the cushion or the chair. Oh yeah, there's an ache in the back. You don't even have to say it, but the attention as it moves through notices, oh, that's a bit painful. The attention then notices, oh yeah, the energy is is calm or the energy is frazzled. So there's the bringing the, vitaka brings the mind to our object. Like a vitaka, a moderated thought might just be if we're getting all caught up in something. It might just be, oh, caught up. It might just be that little phrase, caught up. And then we'll notice the caught up. We don't have to do anything about it, but it, it, we won't be caught up. We'll be noticing the caught up, noticing the longing or the distress for something. And that receptive quality of mind, then we'll reflect on that. Notice that. Explore that. And especially in these early days, especially how it affects our body. A thought like, uh, you know, a little thought like sitting or walking. It's just a short thought. But letting that thought direct the attention and then as it dissolves, it can allow the receptive quality to to then receive. That's how bonding happens. That's how when there's no 
jhana is a absorption. It means we're plugged in, rooted. It's not just bouncing off. With only vitaka, there's a lot of yang that's pointed. Get back there, I told you. Come. I can't believe it. You call yourself an experienced meditator. Come. Get. Okay, yang, too much yang. It's a bit like an ice pick or a, or a hammer. That's why I don't like the word concentration so much because it can connote a kind of laser, ice pick, frown. There are places for narrow attention, but actually one of the hallmarks of mature samadhi is that it's spacious, easeful. There might be a singleness of mind, but it's at ease. So when there's too much yang without the vichara, it's just Maybe with willpower, we get somewhere, but we're like a wound-up spring, and then it falls apart. That's why the shorter thought, a thought that dissolves and then invites vichara. So Ajahn Sujito, our dear friend and teacher, he described it a bit like a thumb and an index finger. The two work together. One holds steady, the other rubs. Like if we're feeling a, the texture of this blanket, thumb holds it, the index finger and rubs. Or he's also described it as a a finger that points is vitaka, the palm that receives is vichara. The two work together. Even in a deep first jhana, a deep calm state, there will be some activity of bringing the mind and receiving so that there will still be movement, but it won't be disturbing the calm. It'll be connecting. And when there's myriad thoughts and chains of thoughts, one of the ancient traditions is to use a mantra. That's thought, but it's a repetitive thought that keeps dissolving and reminds us of that place of trust. In in Thailand, in our monastic training, and one of the, the great vitakas, which also use this word uh, functions as vitaka in vichara. It, it, it reminds us with bhutto. It's the nominative case of Buddha, of the awakened one. B-U-D-D-H-O, bhutto. You can explore. For some of you, that might be a good technique for you. The mind can be thinking of different things and then, ah, breathing in bud, breathing out toe. 
It's a thought that dissolves, one holds it lightly. But the thought reminds us of what we trust, our refuge. It reminds us that where's the refuge is not out there. It reminds us that the refuge is here now, resting in awareness. So it's a thought that keeps directing us back to this moment, this breath, this step. It can go with the steps. Especially if the mind's gone wild with longing and distress. Bhutto. It doesn't have to knock the other words out. It can just be bhutto. A bubble that dissolves, reminding us to return to the listening, to the knowing that's receptive. That's why it's vitaka vichara all in one. Because it brings us back to the moment and encourages a trusting receptivity to what is. Bhutto's really good, I like. I also enjoy the mantra we use for our bowing. Namo Kwan Chi Impusa. For those who aren't used to it, that might seem like a mouthful, long. But Namo is such a, it's a beautiful word over the, what is it, 24? 40 years of, or I guess I've been saying Kuan Yin for 20, 37, 37 years. 40 years, Namo. Namo is this beautiful word that reminds us of I return my life. Reminds us that the jewel is not getting somewhere else, but it's in relaxing. Namo. That the treasure, the sacred treasure is right here at the heart of things. Kuan Shiyin, the one who listens. That old Pusa, the awakened one who listens. There's a timeless, ever-wise and compassionate listening which is at the core of all things. That can also, in the midst of longing and distress, habits, we can lightly allow that mantra. Let it Bless the different sensations. We can stay with the body. It can help us keep from getting lost in different trains of thought. To keep returning to being with this step, this breath, this moment, this resting, this activity. Vitaka-vichara, the third supportive quality for the arising of jhana, which just means peace, a plugged-in, gathered state. Third quality is piti, which is sometimes translated as rapture. But the unfortunate, that's the flowering of that quality. But if we, we all know what it's, you know, when we know the feeling, we love it. But we all know how self-defeating it is when we try to get to rapture, when we go to 
too quick. Try to grab hold of it. The seed, that which gives rise to that enjoying. It's, I love the word savor. That's the seed of pity. That even when we're tired, even when we're eyeball to eyeball with some of our exhaustion and accumulated restlessness and having pushed ourselves to do this and that, as we feel the different parts of the body-mind that aren't so much in harmony, that can be an unpleasant feeling. If we try to skip over that to get to rapture, then our samadhi is a disembodied samadhi. Savor can include receiving this, like a mother holds a distressed child. It's not feeling well, but just that holding. It's not that the mother's enjoying the child's distress, but the very loving, embracing, breathing through, breathing with distress is transformative. We can savor the fatigue, the aches, the uncomfortable feelings. We can learn to, uh, to be interested in and enjoy. Breathe into, relax with, fourth jhana factor, sukkha. Very important, it means relax. Especially that out-breath. Relax so that the channels, the breath is not just the function of air coming in and out. Yes, that's the superficial breath. But as we know, we stop breathing. No, I don't, I'm independent, I don't need to breathe. Stop breathing 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Notice, okay, I'm not breathing, but what's that uncomfortable feeling? Very uncomfortable feeling. What's that? I feel it all through me. Then I breathe. What's that flush that permeates every cell? The subtle breath permeates. The life force carries the life force into all the body. Relaxing is very important and then allowing as the energy from viveka when we let go of covetousness and distress, all that extra energy that then starts to manifest here. As we breathe in and relax, we then allow that energy to permeate. That takes patience because there's different blocks and places where it gets congested. That's why the long breath is is oftentimes quite important in the beginning to just take a long in-breath, long out-breath to find the body. 
to allow that chi, that life force, into the body. And on that slow, long out-breath, as we soften the forehead, the eyes, the shoulders, really just feeling the energy bless the body. Ajahn Chah, that's how he would encourage us if we're really distracted and all over the place. He called the long breath just following the pathway of the breath. Just noticing the breath, touching the nostrils, letting the awareness notice the chest area. At the end of the in-breath, noticing the abdominal area. So the awareness moves from the nose, heart, belly, belly, heart, nose. It just follows the breath not forcing it. If we're really all over the place, that can be useful. A long breath, following the breath. From the nostrils, heart, belly, belly, heart, nostrils. But naturally, as things start to calm down, then he himself enjoyed being with the breathing at the nostrils but it can be wherever it's most comfortable with us. And as Tanisra was describing this morning, that short breath sometimes is when we're just witnessing like a pillar that's rooted in the sand. The tide comes in, the tide comes out, but the brushing the pillar and going out, but the pillar doesn't move. We're just being with the breath in, in one little area, noticing the in, the out, it might be the nostrils. Some of us prefer the heart area or the belly. We can use our phrase if that's helpful. We still notice when the mind is wandering and a little by little we become more agile and subtle about vitaka, just returning with a phrase, a word, or just remembering, but letting it be combined with this receptivity, this being with the body. And as we're just with the in and the out, not worrying about here or there, trusting that we're being with the Dharma. this instrument of awakening, this bhutto, in being with the sensation, being with the actuality of this mysterious, measureless universe. Just allowing ourselves to be present for an in-breath, present for an out-breath to savor, to allow ourselves to just receive those sensations, those feeling tones. And trusting, we, we know this, that there is an alchemy that's already starting to happen. There's a quickening of the vibration when non-judgmental awareness is Receiving the way it is. This awareness. Thoughts arise and disperse, directing the attention to the body. 
And then this heart is receiving it. The heart is that ground that receives it all. And as we're staying with a small localized place, just encouraging us to remember that the Buddha did give some sequential guidance. It's not that we have to go one, two, three, four, but it's useful to remember in his teaching on anapanasati, on this mindfulness of the body. He did have a sequence. We can dance with the sequence and intersperse it later, but long breath, short breath, and then the third one, very important, and we'll talk about it as the retreat goes on. Tanisra mentioned it, sabakaya patisangwedi. Sensitive to the whole body breathing in and out. So that's an expansion. So sometimes with the short breath, the attention is in one little place. Depending on how we do it, sometimes people can do it attention at the nostril when the attention is very relaxed. But we can be really contracted and our samadhi can be quite brittle and it hasn't given the full blessing of its quickened energy to the whole of our being. This step is talking about then widening the awareness. Especially, and, and this is where where the dance comes in. We're being with the breathing, then the attention is drawn to a place in the body where the energy is not flowing. Then we receive the breathing right in that tense spot. We breathe in there, and then on the out-breath we soften. That out-breath which is a relaxing. We be easeful, soft, savor, but widen the awareness, so that that energy then can intermingle with the rest of the body. The flowering of uh, samadhi blesses our whole body. The body and the mind then become unified. And then that fourth step is not only sensitive to the whole body do we breathe in and out, calming the whole body. And there's a dance. From time to time we will intuitively, the awareness maybe will get a little more specific as we're with the breathing. It might be called a short breath in in an area where we're noticing the sensations. But from time to time to soften, widen, then allows the homogenization the calming and healing of the nervous system. It's like on the beach, when Tanisha and I go on, used to take a break from our hermitage in the mountains, we would go down to the beach north of Durban. Sometimes people would have, they'd have big parties on the beach some night and you would notice all these people even driving on the beach, ruts and footprints and 
places where it was all messed up, debris. But if you notice, after the tide comes in and the in and the out, and the in and the out, coming in and the subsiding, if you notice what happens when the beach is smooth, and even though there's billions of grains of sand, it's unified, smooth, it's calm. The particularity of our body and all the parts, there's millions, billions of pieces, but as we breathe long and short and wide and and calm, that's what happens. Tomorrow in the instruction, I'll review a little more for those who are interested the these factors. But just to encourage us in these early days of our time. Even if one maybe is not feeling so good, I wasn't feeling so great today, physically. even what might not look spectacular. Not harming, not chasing, not fighting. Offers immeasurable beings freedom from fear, hostility, and oppression. And that this giving up chasing allowing ourselves the opportunity for samadhi, for gathering to naturally arise in its own time. Has an immeasurable blessing. It gives us the blessing of a pleasant abiding, a refuge we can return to, not needing to exploit anybody, just coming to this moment. But also when the mind is gathered, It sees things the way they are. As our mind is gathered like a hot cast iron stove, if a drop of water falls on it, shh. Another drop seems to be there, and then it shh, it's gone. When our mind is gathered, the Buddha said, it sees things the way they are. And as we allow our natural wholesome gathering of being here and now. We then can hone this instrument of awakening to recognize the true ephemeral nature of conditions and notice this luminous, unmoving, ever-welcoming, heart. It's always been here, where all things merge and all beings merge.
May the goodness of our practice be shared above, below, and all around for the welfare of all beings, that all beings may be freed from suffering and realize the peacefulness at the core of our being. Oh, Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.